Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Once there was a king, and uh, this king was in his castle, and his moat around the castle. How many know that the castle a lot of times has a moat around it? The moat around the castle, it dried up. So the king said, wow, what are we going to do about this? He said, I have an idea. We're going to have a fundraiser, have an old-fashioned fundraiser. He said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a feast, and everyone can come to the feast, but your entrance fee is just to bring uh, something that you have water in so that we can replenish the moat. Bring something, have water in it, and uh, we'll pour it in the moat. You do that, you get in, and you can feast. We'll have a feast. So it's like an old-fashioned old fundraiser. So, uh, you know, everybody came. Some came with, uh, you know, big buckets, and they brought water and poured it in the moat. Some came with boxes or little things. Some came with little glasses. You know, they just said, hey, well, he just said bring some water. He didn't say how much. So I just got a glass of water, and I'm pouring it in the moat. And uh, so they all uh, had the feast. Everyone uh, feasted equally, no matter how much water they brought and all of that. At the end, the king said, well, your majesty has a surprise for you. So he opened up his treasure room, and in there were all sorts of treasures from lands all over the world. I mean, countless treasures were in his room. And he said, uh, because you were able to help uh, me with the moat, he said, I'm also additionally going to allow you to just take whatever you want from my treasure room. The key is, the only thing you can take is what you can fill up in whatever you brought with the water. Come on. <laughs> so often for us, we expect so much more from God by bringing him so little. We bring him so little, but we know that he is endless. If we don't expect blessings, come on somebody, why would we receive them? We need, God is telling us to expect blessings. I mean, this is an amazing time for every one of us. I mean, we are all blessed and we're ready to bless. Our God is the model. He is, he is astonishing. He's mind-boggling. And he does mind-boggling giving. I mean, God so loved the world that he what? Gave, 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 gave his son. And his son gave his life. And if we were to model, a lot of us say, I want to be like Jesus. How many would say that? I know in my life, I want to be like Jesus. Well, how many know that Jesus was a giver? And when you hear that, I know you're thinking money, but Jesus was a giver of everything. Jesus gave his life. He gave knowledge. He was always teaching. He was always sharing. Jesus gave compassion. He gave mercy. He gave favor. Jesus gave himself. He gave himself, and not only to his friends. He gave to anyone that needed and God wants us to be that same way. He wants us to be givers. He wants us to give of our life. Why? Because we're blessed to give. So we've defined this blessed, blessed, the blessed person. The blessed person is a person that's chosen and favored, deeply loved by God, the God who seeks ways to bless me and use me to bless others. 
And the blessed person would say, I will freely take all that I am giving and use it to bless others. I will bless others. Why? Because we bless others. I want to talk to you this morning for a few moments about being a blessing and being blessed out of the overflow. Out of the overflow. Some of this uh, you've heard and you'll agree with. There might be a couple things you don't. But I believe it's the Lord this morning. He wants to change our mind about something. So pay attention to this this morning. Blessed with overflow is to be filled beyond the brim. You know that. It means running over. You know what overflow means. It means abounding, having surplus, plenty, more than enough. That's what God is talking about, more than enough. And so for us, because we serve a God who is a God of more than enough in every area of our life, then we can do what we said. We can expect. We can expect the blessing of God. We can expect certain things. We can expect, like we said last week, we can expect to be honored. We can expect to be favored. We can expect to live generously. We can expect to receive from all resources. Yeah, we have bold expectations, but it's because we have a bold God. We can expect to see breakthrough. We can expect to keep the blessings and to live a life of overflow. We can expect all of these things. We can expect victory in warfare. Come on, we can expect those things. Our God is not a God of failure. He just doesn't do that. God is a God of victory, and we can expect all of those things. We can expect it. Let me tell you, I, I know I said go to Psalm 23, but uh, over in Mark 11, I want to I tell you that uh, God is a God also of expectations. He expects certain things from us. If you remember over in my, in fact, turn over to Mark 11. Go over there with me real quick. Mark chapter 11, and um, it's a story that you know very well. I mean, our scripture is Psalm 23, and we'll get there in just a minute. But I just want to show this to you. Uh, you've heard this story before. You've probably heard it preached on. You've, you, you've read it in your devotion time uh, if you're a, a person who loves God. Uh, but just watch this now. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. You know the story. It says, Now on the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. He meaning Jesus. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if it perhaps uh, he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. His disciples heard it. So he cursed the fig, the fig tree. Now we've heard that particular passage uh, preached about when someone talks about faith and when they talk about all of those things and it and that is absolutely true but I want you to notice something here uh, Jesus cursed the fig tree why did he curse the fig tree you know it he cursed it why because he was hungry and it didn't have fruit on it so he cursed it but just because it didn't have fruit why would he curse it I mean it's a fig tree eventually it would have fruit so there's some reason that he cursed it at this particular time. When Jesus looked at this tree, notice the Bible said it had leaves on it. It had leaves. So when he saw the leaves there, he expected there are leaves, there must be fruit on the tree. He had an expectation, but when he went and saw the leaves but no fruit, he said, well, I'm, I'm cursing you. Why? Because you're faking it. You, you act like you're producing fruit, you put your leaves out there, but you really don't have any fruit. 
be careful. God is saying that some of us are not done yet. Some need to be pruned. There's some areas in our life where we need to be pruned, but we're presenting like we're all ready. We're presenting like we're all right. We're presenting like everything is good. Everything is all right. And when you present like that, then God expects the fruit. God has some expectations of us. Now, he doesn't expect fruit if we're not ready. He doesn't expect us to produce if he's still working on us. But when you present that way, there's an expectation. See, when we plant seed, there's an expectation of fruit. God has an expectation. The, the seed is not the end. And I think too many of us, we glory in the beginning of something. I think that we have to stop reveling or being satisfied with the beginning of something and have some expectations of the fruit that that thing will bring. Because the seed is not the destination. The seed is simply the beginning. The seed is the catalyst. We need to look for what fruit it will bring. And I'm getting to this. I'm getting to this. This has everything to do with overflow. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. You're probably saying, what does that have to do with Psalm 23? Well, let's look at it. Psalm 23. I know my wife doesn't have to look at it because she memorized it years ago. New King James Version puts it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many times Christians and non-Christians have we heard this psalm read? I know for me, a lot at funerals. We're going to bury somebody. Uh, they, they, you know, they're taking the coffin to be buried. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's been one of those passages of scriptures that when you're down and out, we look to this passage because God comforts us. And it's the right thing to do. But I want to tell you something this morning about this passage. This passage is not just for you when you're down and out. This passage is not just for you when you're in a place of gloom, a place of doom. Come on. This passage, we should be uh, quoting and reciting this passage all the time. Because the, it says, my cup runs over. When you're in a place of doom and gloom, I don't think your cup is running over. Come on. My cup runs over. The Living Bible, in just verses 5 or 6, say this. It says, you provide delicious food for me in the presence of my enemies. You have welcomed me as your guest. Blessings overflow. Your goodness and unfailing kindness shall be with me all of my life. And afterwards, I will live with you forever in your home, in your home. So what, what, what I want to talk to you about is just this, the law of overflow, just a law. And this overflow life, we're going all the way back to the beginning of this series, this blessed overflow life begins 
starts with receiving amazing grace from God. His amazing love, his amazing forgiveness, a new life to help you live an overflow life. That's how it begins. We start by receiving and then we begin to be a giver. We've talked a lot about giving and receiving, giving and receiving. I've heard that. I've grown up in church and I've heard that a lot, giving and receiving. I believe it. Giving and receiving. Obviously, you plant seed whatsoever a man uh, soweth, right? Come on. So we know that. But I, I want your mind to just turn to the mind of God as it relates to his relationship with us. We begin by receiving. We receive God's love. We receive his salvation. We receive his grace. We receive our life from him. We receive forgiveness. We receive hope. We receive mercy. And once we do that now, we're able to give those things. You can't properly love somebody. I'm going to talk about this next week a little bit more. You can't properly love somebody until you understand how God loves you. Otherwise, you're just doing it out of your own reservoir. Come on. The overflow life is the life of a giver. Giver, giving kind words. What about giving an ear? Sometimes it's easier to give money than it is to give an ear. Sometimes you'd rather say, look, just take the $20. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to hear about all that. Come on. I'm being realistic this morning. But God says that we are to give. We are to give of ourselves. We are to give of ourselves. And God expects. You remember the story of five loaves and the two fish. Very famous story over in Mark chapter 6. The Bible says he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples to set before them. And then the two fish he divided among them so they all ate and were filled. One of the things that I, I went back and I read that story for the 200th time and, um, you know, it's just a miracle how Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish. It's just a miracle how he did that. How did he multiply it? How did he, you know, how did that happen? Well, it tells you right here that they gave him the loaves and the fish, and the Bible says he broke the loaves, and then he gave the loaves to them. It doesn't say that he broke it, multiplied it back here. He prayed over it and blessed it, multiplied it. Now, here, let me just start giving you all of this bread that's stacked up. No, 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 no. He gave back to them the same bread they gave to him. And then they begin to give, and they begin to give, and they begin to give. The miracle didn't happen until they begin to give, until they begin to give. Sure, Jesus blessed it. He placed the blessing on it. But until they gave it away, there was no miracle. There was no multiplication. Jesus expects something with his blessing. Overflow begins with God giving you a good measure. Come on, a sizable container, measure, the capacity of what he can give to you. And the thing about it is we're, we're, we're talking about overflow. I want you to keep that in your mind. We're talking about overflow because I, there's some, I think that we fall short sometimes. I know I certainly do. I think we fall short sometimes in our thinking of what church is and what we're doing here on Sunday morning. There's three things I just want to throw at you from verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 23 that deal with overflow. First of all, in verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
The place where overflow happens is not in a secret place, but in the presence of your enemies. God will overflow you. Come on, in the presence of your enemies, God will overflow you. The place where you encountered opposition, the place where you experienced barrenness, that place where your enemies appear to prosper right before you, the place where you're desperate for God, the place where you can't do it on your own, that place where you've got nowhere else to turn is a perfect place for God to produce overflow in you, overflow in your life, overflow. It's not in some secret place. God, that overflow doesn't happen over here in your prayer closet. That's not what, your prayer closet is not the place for overflow. The prayer closet is the place for your relationship to get solid. That's the place where you and God go and you commune and your relationship gets solid. But when he begins to overflow you is when you go out and face your enemies. Come on. You go out and face your enemies and God begins to overflow you. David said a lot about this in the face of his enemies. He said, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies, Psalms verse 5, chapter 5, verse 8. Psalms chapter 6, he said, let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Chapter 18, he said, you have also given me the necks of my enemies. Don't be afraid of your enemies. Don't be afraid of your enemies. Psalm 27, 2, he says, When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Don't be afraid of your enemies. And this one I love. Psalm 18, verse 37. You might want to jot this one down. Psalm 18, verse 37. David said this. He said, now watch this. He said, I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither, here's the part, Psalm 18, verse 37. Neither did I turn back again until they were destroyed. I didn't turn back until they were destroyed. Now, let me tell you something this morning. We know that the Old Testament, according to Corinthians, is a type and shadow a lot of times. Physical things that happen that depict spiritual things in our life here in the New Testament. So you might think your enemy is your boss. Or you might think your enemy is that one that offended you or talked about you or didn't give you the loan or whatever it may be. But you know, a lot of times our enemies are right here. <laughs> our enemies are right here. Now, I want to say something this morning. All the kids went downstairs, didn't they? So I, I just want to put it out on the line. I mean, I'm just going to have to be on Front Street. Hebrews talks about this, those things that so easily beset us. We're always looking for external enemies. But a lot of times our enemies are those things that so easily beset us, those things that we don't want to talk about. Sexual immorality, pornography, our attitudes. Come on, all of that. Unforgiveness, bitterness. All of those things we put on a front in front of everyone else. But secretly, we hate that person. All of those things are your enemies. And you know what David said? He said, I wasn't afraid of my enemies. I had to face my enemies. There comes a point where you have to look in the mirror, see your enemies, and say, I'm going to chase you down, and I'm not going to stop until I kill you. 
I am not going to stop until I have utterly destroyed you. Sometimes it's just a matter of self-control, doing those things we have to do instead of those things we want to do. I'm just talking on Front Street this morning. We're talking about a life of overflow. I know what you're expecting when I start talking about blessings, but this is a part of it. Come on, if we want to, we got to be pure. God, listen, the pure in heart. God wants to pour into the pure in heart. And so David said, I didn't stop. The God's Word translation of Psalm 1837, he says it this way, I chased my enemies. I caught up with them. I didn't return until I had ended their lives. Those enemies in your life don't stop. You know, they don't stop. Thank you. They don't stop. Why would you stop? You failed yesterday? Oh, man, I tried. I tried all week, and I couldn't overcome. Guess what? You still living? You still have an opportunity to overcome today. Don't give up on it because God is not giving up on you. He's not giving up on you. You can overcome it. This should be encouraging. Not, it's not meant to be condemning. It should be encouraging that you can overcome it. Come on, Jesus. He said, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. I came that you might have life. That's your enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life. I came to make you an overcomer. You are an overcomer. You'll overcome. You will overcome. You will overcome. And so God loves that. He lo oh, What did I say? God wants your heart. He wants your heart. If he has your heart, he'll have the rest of you. He'll empower you. He will empower you, which is the second point. The first one is, listen, the first one is he prepares a, a table before in the presence of your enemies. The second one is it's activated by the anointing of God. The overflow is activated by the anointing. Verse 5 also says, you anoint my head with oil. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. Don't you go out there fighting your enemies without first being anointed. That's what your closet is for. That's what your prayer closet is for. Go, allow God to fill you and fill you with his spirit, with the power, with the grace, with the favor to overcome. Now, that's why David said, I can pursue my enemies. And I'm not turning back until I destroy them because I am anointed to do so. I have the anointing of God. I'm filled with his spirit. I have the power to overcome my enemies, my enemies with no anointing. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about. <laughs> with no anointing, we're conduits only. Now, stay with me because I know you love me, so you won't turn your back just yet. Stay with me. Don't raise your hand, but how many, like me, I have, how many have said, you know, we are conduits for the Lord? We are conduits, don't raise your hand, conduits for the Lord. We are, you know, we are, we are obviously his hands and feet. We are the body of Christ, but we're conduits. We're just, con we, we are here and he comes, he blesses, and he, it goes right through us out to others, right? And it sounds great. And I'm not telling you it's wrong, but that's not the place where God wants us to live. It's not the place he wants us to live. See, if you live that way, if, if your mindset is, I come to church every Sunday to get filled up, and then I go out all week and I give out, and then I come to get filled, it sounds great. It does. I know you're like, well, what are you talking about, Brother Mike? That's what, exactly, that's what we do. 
I want to tell you, can I just ask you to be open-minded this morning according to the Word of God and allow Him to change your mind about that? Allow Him to change your mind about just coming to get filled up so you can give everything out. Because then you are just a gas tank. But if you're a car that just has a gas tank and you go to the gas station and you get filled up, how are you going to give other cars gas? You need that gas for your car. But God doesn't want you just to keep all the gas for yourself. He wants you to be a giver. We already established that. Well, how are you going to do that if all the gas you got is what's in my tank? God is a God of overflow. My cup runneth over. He doesn't just fill up your cup. He, he overflows your cup. It's, it's not just that we should come here to get filled up. We should come here that God would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we don't have room enough to receive. Why? So that we can bless others with the overflow. The overflow. That's how we're to bless others. I, listen, I understand the widow's might. I do. Yes, but it's a beginning. The seed is the beginning. That's not our ending. Yes, I understand giving out of your place of suffering. Yes, we must do that, but it's a beginning. God doesn't want us to live a life of always giving out of our suffering. That is a means to an end, right? That's to get your heart positioned with God. But God is anointing you right now to live a life of overflow. And don't look at your, don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at what you've done in the past. Well, I'm just, I'm just not that kind of person. My bank account doesn't have that much. Or I've never been that way. I'm just, I'm, I've always been. Stop. It's an excuse. It's an excuse because you, listen, listen. If anyone is in Christ, you, if, you are, if, if you quote that from Corinthians, then you absolutely cannot use the excuse, well, I'm just not that way. I'm just, I'm just not a giver or I'm just, you know, not one to smile all the time. You know, that's just not me. Uh, you know, I'm not one to encourage people. Uh, I just want to tell you how it is. That, that's me. I'm real. I'm realistic. I just, that's, I'm not one to go around encouraging people. That's not me. Listen, Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new. So don't tell me what you are and what you did before. Because if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Come on. Old things are passed away. That's how you used to be. All things have become new. You have the capacity because God is anointing you to do this. And the anointing serves a purpose. I think it's one of those words for years we've thrown around lazily. I won't, I'm not talking about anyone. I know I have. You see someone sing and they just hit a great note and it just moves you emotionally. And you say, boy, that person sure is anointed. Are they are they? I mean, maybe they are. But are they anointed or are they talented and gifted? And they hit a note that really uh, hit your heart. I know I got to stay on task, but I, I remember going to the fair in Ohio. Ohio State Fair, just like our Indiana State Fair. It's a state fair. And years ago, they used to have these acts, these musical acts come. And you, all you had to do was pay five bucks to get in the fair and you could see all of the musical acts for free. You can't in anymore. But then uh, a lady came who I had never seen live, but I wanted to go see her sing. And her name was Patti LaBelle. 
And so I went, I said, well, I want to go see this lady. And I had gone to all kind of, I went to all kind of uh, things because it was free. Well, it was five bucks to get in. So I saw everybody, I saw Night Ranger. Some of y'all don't remember Night Ranger, but it was free. So I ran in, oh, Night Ranger. Yeah. I saw all, I saw the OJs, Night Ranger, whoever. I don't care what they sang because it didn't cost me any money other than to get in the fair. So I, I watched them. So I went to see Patty LaBelle. And if I tell you that Patty LaBelle came out there and she started singing this song, called If You Don't Know Me By Now. I know I can't sing it in the pulpit. I know. I, I understand it. If you don't know me by now. And, uh, man, yeah, you know, see y'all, see y'all. I'm not the only one, but uh, she started singing this song, and then she broke it down in the middle, and she started talking about we've been together for 10 long years, and, and then she started singing these notes, and I'm telling you, she hit this one note, and it, it touched something. I said, something... I wanted to start crying. I mean, I wanted to start crying because of the note she hit. And I said, but I'm not going to cry because I'm, you know, I'm a man. I'm not going to sit here and cry, Patty LaBelle. But it took everything within me not to shed a tear. And I'm thinking, for what? I mean, we're not in church, it's, you know. It's just the note she hit, man. It was something. I mean, it moved me emotionally. But was she anointed or did, was she just gifted? I mean, the, here's the thing. The anointing demands results. The anointing is for a purpose. The anointing demands results. If you're anointed to sing, there has to be a purpose for it. If you're anointed to preach, there has to be a purpose for it other than moving you emotionally. You know, we can have good teaching. We can have good preaching where it moves you emotionally. But it's got to be more than that. It has to not only move you emotionally, it has to move you to action. It has to change you. The Word of God changes you. It's like a double-edged sword. Come on. Operating in the overflow is more than being a conduit. That's what I want to tell you this morning. It's more. I'm not telling you it's wrong, and so please don't stop saying that if that's your saying. You know, we are conduits for the Lord. Yes, you are a conduit. All I'm telling you is that there's another level that God wants us to aspire to, and that is an overflow level. There's another level in addition too many Christians find themselves empty because they have that conduit-only mentality. When you have that mentality, you give out, then you go back to get. And you give out, and you go back to get. But it's not, I, let me just, you, you know Malachi 3.10. This is God's mentality. We look at it as a tithing verse, but it's, it's really his mentality. It's not just about tithing. In the, in the New American Standard, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Then he says, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not, you know it, open the windows of heaven. But watch how this version puts it. Pour out a blessing for you. Pour out a blessing until it overflows. I'm not just pouring out a blessing so that you will be full. I'm pouring out a blessing so that you will overflow, overflow, overflow. And then the third thing about the blessed overflow, this, this law of overflow, is simply this, that goodness and mercy will follow you. They follow right behind you. When you have the overflow anointing, when you've spent time with God in your secret place, and you understand God is going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I, I must face my enemies. I must face my enemies when you understand that. And then you, you, you understand that, listen, I must be anointed. God, I can't go. Moses said, if you don't go with us, then I'm not going. If you don't go, I'm not going. Your presence must be with me. 
We understand that we must be anointed. When you understand that, now you understand that you're followed by goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the blessing. The blessing is not just a new car or a new house or a new suit or a husband or whatever it might be. Those are remnants of the blessings. Come on. That's fruit of the blessing. The blessing is to be in the house of the Lord forever all the days of your life. The overflow is in the presence of God. When we separate from his presence, we separate from the overflow. When we're in his presence, we're in the, the, the origin of the overflow. We're in the place where it starts. Why would you want someone, if you're thirsty for some water or you need water to wash your clothes, why would you want someone to get a bucket of water, pour it out, and you come way down over here and say, when the water gets to me, then I'll scoop it up, I'll wash or I'll drink the water. No, go right to the origin where the bucket is. Go into the presence of the Lord. Come on, the presence of the Lord. Overflow of goodness and mercy. But guess what? It's also an overflow of peace, love, provision. It's an overflow of ideas and strategies. It's an overflow of compassion. He, he, has, he gives an overflow of grace and favor, an overflow of knowledge. Listen, an overflow of life. I come that you might have life and more, more abundantly, more, more, more. It's God's way, more abundantly. I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. You know, just, I, I was thinking of this story. I'll just end with this. You know, Psalm 1611 says that you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures evermore. This is a point I want you to get to. I was thinking of this story where pastor hadn't seen one of the members of the family. That's what we call it, not just congregants, we're family. The pastor hadn't seen one of the members of the family for a while, so the pastor went over the house of this person. And the person looked out the peephole and said, yeah, okay, this is the pastor. I, I, I thought sooner or later, you know, he might call or come by or somebody would. But he said, it's okay. So he let him in, and they didn't say anything to each other, and they, uh, he had a fire going. And uh, so they went over, and they sat down in front of the fire, both of them. And he wasn't saying anything. They didn't speak at all and the pastor was contemplating what he should say and and the man was kind of contemplating what he should say to the pastor and the pastor was noticing the fire and uh, he was just looking at how the fire danced and you know he was just kind of mesmerized by it so then all of a sudden he picked up one of the tongs and he took one of the burning hot embers out of the fire and he set it on the side of the fire and then he went back and sat down and they both watched as this ember slowly just faded away and became cold. And then he waited for a while. Then he went back and grabbed the tongs and he went back and he grabbed the ember and he put it back on the fire and he went back and sat down. And they both watched at how it caught fire again like it had never been away. And then the pastor said, okay, well, it's time for me to go. So he began to leave, and as he was leaving, he got to the door, and the man said, Pastor, I just want to thank you so much for coming today, and I want to thank you for the fiery sermon. I'll be back in church next week. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we must be in the presence of the Lord.